with a firm tweak. She nodded and felt the pain shoot into her head like a dart of pleasure. Her sex had already opened for the fingers which would soon be there. My son's waiting in the car. His hand came to an abrupt halt. He knows nothing, she groaned, sensing his hand falter. And your husband? Where's he now? Where do you think? At work, of course. Now it was she who sounded irritated, both because he had brought her husband into the conversation, and it was difficult for her to say anything at all about him without getting irritated, and because her body needed him quickly. Sara Quinislan opened his flies. Don't, he began, grabbing her around the wrist. She slapped him hard with her other hand. He looked at her in amazement as a red flush spread across his cheek. She smiled, grabbed his thick black hair, and pulled his face down to hers. "'You can go,' she hissed. "'But first you have to shag me. Is that understood?' She felt his breath against her face. It was coming in hefty gasps now. Again she slapped him with her free hand, and his dick was growing in her other. He thrust, a bit harder each time, but it was over now. She was numb, the magic was gone, the tension had dissolved, and all that was left was despair. She was losing him. Now, as she lay there, she had lost him. All the years she had yearned, all the tears she had cried, the desperate things he had made her do, without giving anything back, except for one thing. He was standing at the foot of the bed and taking her with closed eyes. Sara stared at his chest. To begin with, she had thought it strange, but after a while she had begun to like the sight of unbroken white skin over his pectoral muscles. It reminded her of old statues where the nipples had been omitted out of consideration for public modesty. His groans were getting louder. She knew that soon he would let out a furious roar. She had loved that roar the ever-surprised, ecstatic, almost pained expression, as though the orgasms have passed his wildest expectation each and every time. Now she was waiting for the final roar, a bellowing farewell to his freezing box of a bedroom, divested of pictures, curtains, and carpets. Then he would get dressed and travel to a different part of the country, where he said he had been offered a job he couldn't say no to. But he could say no to this— this, and still he would roar with pleasure. She closed her eyes, but the roar didn't come. He had stopped. What's up? she asked, opening her eyes. His features were distorted all right, but not with pleasure. A face, he whispered. She flinched. Where? Outside the window. The window was at the other end of the bed, right above her head. She heaved herself round, felt him slip out, already limp. From where she was lying, the window above her head was set too high in the wall for her to see out, and too high for anyone to stand outside and peer in. Because of the already dwindling daylight, all she could see was the double exposed reflection of the ceiling lamp. "'You saw yourself,' she said, almost pleading. That's what I thought at first, he said, still staring at the window. Sarah pulled herself up onto her knees, got up and looked into the garden. And there, 
There was the face. She laughed out loud with relief. The face was white, with eyes and a mouth made with black pebbles, probably from the drive, and arms made from twigs off the apple trees. Heavens, she gasped, it's only a snowman. Then her laugh turned into tears. She sobbed helplessly until she felt his arms around her. I have to go now, she sobbed. Stay for a little while longer, he said. She stayed for a little while longer. As Sarah approached the garage, she saw that almost forty minutes had passed. He had promised to ring now and then. He had always been a good liar, and for once she was glad. Even before she got to the car, she saw her son's pale face staring at her from the back seat. She pulled at the door and found to her astonishment that it was locked. She peered in at him through steamed up.